Welcome to Whiskey and Wonder. All right, all right, all right, everybody. Welcome. Hello. Get in this, get in this room or your car or wherever you are listening to us and get set for an amazing podcast today. Yes. We are Whiskey and Wonder, the podcast where every week we review a whiskey and teach the other person something that has made us wonder. And sometimes we really, really wonder a lot. Sometimes. We've had we've had some great discussions on here about some pretty cool some stuff. Topics. Yeah. Yes. So um as Megan said, and that's Megan. I and don't think we've introduced That's Tyler over yeah, there. There we are. Um we are Whiskey and Wonder. We can be found online uh, at whiskeyandwonder.com. Instagram is at whiskey podcast. All the other stuff is right here on the screen. If you're checking us out on YouTube, which is youtube.com slash whiskey and wonder. And if you wanted to email us for our mail time segment, which we always appreciate hearing from you guys, giving us feedback, letting us know what you like about the topics and what you thought about some of the whiskeys we've tried and whiskeys that you want us to hear and all that sort of good stuff. You can get a hold of us at contact at whiskeyandwonder.com. Um, along with a bunch of other stuff that will be in the show notes or on the screen on YouTube. So feel free. Oh God, did you guys hear that? I had like a huge chunk of saliva just come up (laughs) right there on free. Mm. So so feel free to, um, get in contact with us, please. Um, so as for announcements, did you have any announcements you wanted to make this week? Nope. No, no. I mean, same stuff, new week. Same stuff, new week. That that we're going to blitz it then. Uh, check our store on the website. We've still got whiskey glasses and stickers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we've got, we're down to three stickers. So three stickers, y'all. Let's make these stickers disappear. So we yeah. have to buy more and I can get some uh, free hot sauce. <laughs> 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 Plug to the the people we get stickers from. They send you a free bottle of hot sauce. That's amazing. So <laughs> okay. just want to let you know. Um, and also we're always looking for guests and guest drinkers. So if you want to be on the podcast, enjoy some whiskey with us. Please let us know. We got some folks coming up that we are really excited, really sure. excited to have on here. For sure, I cannot wait. Um, and as always, we want to start the show by thanking everybody that. Donates and supports us. Um, you know, we couldn't do this without you guys. And it's, you know, it it, it, it is the highlight of my week uh, most weeks. So I I appreciate it. Oh, well, I love doing this too. And thank you, Tyler. Yes. Oh. I think on that note, we're going to go ahead and transition a little bit into the open segment. Open segment. And for anybody that's new, uh, this is basically we just do a little bit of catch up mm-hmm. how things have been. Um, There's some bullshit talking back and forth. Yeah. Hanging out with our friends. Yeah, absolutely. So, Megan and I, truthfully, we don't get to see each other very much other nope. than this. Yeah, on Sundays, we yeah. get to see each other for the podcast. And other than that, our schedules are like opposite. So, yep. so we end up catching up. On podcast on night, podcast. we yeah, figure we'll do night. it on the podcast. Make yeah, it so part you, of our routine with you guys. Yeah, you guys can catch up with us as well. Yeah. So what's been going on? 
Um, so I had a fever on Tuesday, uh, which if you read any type of fever at all with my job, you need to call out and get tested. I am fully vaccinated, uh, team Pfizer. And, uh, I was off work for pretty much the entire week until Saturday because test results weren't coming back. Um, I'm negative, obviously, um, but that fever kind of set me back. So I spent uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday kind of quarantined in my bedroom and painting press-on nails, which has become my newest obsession. And that's all I do now is just paint nails. I have heard... And just because, you know, I'm, I don't do Facebook and social media very well. Um, if you're a long time listener, you know that very well. <laughs> um, I heard they look really, really good. Oh, well, so thank you. That is, that is the word on the street. Oh, well, thank you. Word on the street. Streets looking out for you. <laughs> um, How about you? It's been a hell of a week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, truth be told. A lot of it's job related and I really can't get into it um, on the podcast. Just yeah, mainly because I don't want to get fired. So <laughs> I from, mean, that's fair. Either job. So uh, let's just suffice to say it's been a rough week, a long week. The weekend wasn't much better. Um, just the last. Yeah. I don't know how to say it other than the last four or five days have just really sucked ass. I'm sorry, Tyler. Uh, it's all That's right. rough. It, it, it happens to the best of us, I guess. But, you know, other than that, I've been trying to watch the Braves, catch up on the Braves. I haven't. If if you're a long-time listener, you'll know that... Um, You'll know about the, the episode that I had in May with the surgery and all that good stuff that happened. If you're not a long time episode, a long time listener, go check out. That was our, what special was that? Um, let me, let me pull up the episode. list. God, I don't know. I can't believe we've been doing this for nearly a year. Yeah, I know this is crazy. I think that was our 4th of July special, uh, where, Yes, it was because we got drunk on the, uh, yep. The, um, the common, common whiskeys. whiskeys. Yes. yes that... We rated the common whiskeys and ended up both of us got drunk. Yep. And I laid on the floor and you took a picture or was that Christmas? That was Christmas. Okay. That was the new year's one. Yeah. Um, right. but anyway, <laughs> go back and check out that episode. If you want to know about the debacle of what happened with my surgery and whatnot. Anyway, uh, I basically realized after that, that there's more to life than just sitting at home watching the Braves every night. And I haven't watched a Braves game since I was in the hospital. Um, and so I tried to change that this week. And apparently MLB TV, which I bought, I was able to get a discount through my work, through my job. And I bought specifically for the Braves because I have a VPN mm-hmm. that will let me appear as if I'm out of market, even though I live three hours away from the freaking Atlanta Braves. I'm not <laughs> technically out of market. Nope. And anyway, apparently since May, MLB has updated their VPN detection. Oh, no. So 
I'm back to hoisting the old Jolly Roger there. <laughs> I guess I tried to pay for it, but they didn't want it. They want my money, so. Yo-ho, yo-ho. Pirate's life for me. Um, Naturally, of course, I've watched one Braves game this week, and they lost. So it's your fault. It, well. You, you ruined it. You, seriously, they were sucking so bad the first <laughs> half of the season. I quit paying attention to them for a solid month and a half. And they did amazing. And went from, I don't think they were worst, but they were pretty low in the division to first in the division. I immediately catch a game. I was out at like a bar and I saw a game. They were coming off like a nine game win streak and they lost. <laughs> I didn't see the whole game. I just saw a little bit and I was like, oh yeah, they're on a nine game win streak. I should, I should watch a little bit of this. Mm. And they lost. And well, then I watched one game the other night and they lost. Okay. Apparently you need to stop watching their Braves games. I have not watched one since. I keep fighting it, but fortunately I've had NASCAR and football and all that good stuff to sports distract me. Also, uh, Shelby and I have started a new show. Well, not a new show. It's it's my favorite show ever. It's called uh, Hell on Wheels. That's where you got your doggo's name. That's where I got Bohannon's name. Yes, it is. So, um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much been what's been going on this week. Um, you know, and I just, I, I like I said, it's been a it's been a rough week. I appreciate being able to escape a little bit into television land yes and podcast land for a little while yes get away from reality for a second yeah not absolutely not bad at all um with that being said guys we're going to change up the format today for a little bit of uh a special occasion i guess and so we're going to jump into this segment mail time all right you I'm drop stuff. stuff over. Yeah. You go ahead and give the backstory on all this. All right. Um, so we were surprised this week, um, incredibly surprised this week by a fan of the podcast um, reaching out and uh, giving us some swag uh, that she made. Um, so this is a huge shout out to friend Aaliyah. Thank you, friend Aaliyah. Yes, thank you so much, friend Aaliyah. I would highly recommend everybody go to YouTube and check out this shirt I'm holding up right now. Yes, so it's, it is the shirt I'm wearing. Um, it is a Whiskey and Wonder shirt that she made, and the back has obviously whiskey bottle and glass on it. But then she put all sorts of our topics on it. It looks really cool. It's like a, a collage of all sorts of stuff we've done on this podcast. So it's, it's very, very nifty, very neat. Um, I'm stoked. It is amazing. And Aaliyah drew us a picture. Yes. It is me and Tyler. I, I don't know if it'll show up on the webcam. Yeah. Because of the glare. You guys are getting a good glare of my my screen with our schedule on it there. Um but yeah, she drew this awesome picture of us. It will be on our Instagram at Whiskey Podcast. Absolutely. And it will also be on the wall in this room. Unless Megan fights me and tries to take it home. No, it can be in a podcast okay. room. That makes right. sense. Perfect. Um, 
So yeah, thank you so much, Aliyah. Yes. Uh, she also donated a, and we're not going to spoil this, but an upcoming whiskey, uh, whiskey as well that we're really yes. excited to try. So thank you so much, uh, friend Aliyah. Like that was that was so cool. What a fun, amazing, incredible surprise! Like I wow. So uh, again, if you listen normally, you know we put mail time usually towards the end if we have mail time at all. And this is not a traditional mail time, but I wanted to tie it in with our open segment today because it's been such a shitty couple days for me. Um, I this this made my day. It made my week. Aaliyah, I cannot thank you enough. You don't know how happy you've made me today, and I really appreciate it. Oh, well, thank you, Aaliyah, again. Amazing. Amazing. Yes. Absolutely. And the only reason I'm not wearing the shirt is because <laughs> I think I talked about this last week. Uh, I went and got really badly sunburned. You're a lobster. Yes, I was the, uh, I wasn't even the lobster man. I was just part lobster. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm 100% peeling now. So, yes. Now and, he looks like a lizard. Yes. And so <laughs> it's a black shirt. I don't want to get peeling skin all over it. Gross. So. I will definitely be wearing it as soon as I'm done peeling. Yes. It's amazing shirt and it's soft. It's comfy. Yeah, I know. Oh, I it, like it. It is real soft. It's fantastic. Thank you, Aaliyah. Yes, thank you so much. Um, and on that note, we're gonna move on. Opening the bottle. I just realized we're doing several things a little bit different today. We are a little bit. Um, so this is another High West whiskey. This is actually our third um, whiskey. Ooh, that was a nice pie. That was a nice pie. Oh. Um, yeah, this was our third High West whiskey. High West whiskey. <laughs> I haven't drank anything today, guys. I promise. Um, yeah, this is our third. Uh, so you guys have already heard a lot about um, the High West Distillery. They're out in Utah. Um, they support a like animal conservation preservation place. That Tyler is, has been there. Yes, um, that is the uh, American Prairie. Yes, bourbon that they do support. Uh, I yes. think they donate a portion of the proceeds. This is the Rendezvous Rye. Um, so High West Rendezvous Rye is slash was the company's flagship rye, and was was a like year round release like they always had it well in 2001 the company announced that rendezvous rye would become an annual limited edition release and it has a label change now that features artworks from rotating artists what i didn't know that i've seen this at the abc store plenty of times and it's always had the same Nope. As I of did not realize it was a limited release. Twenty twenty one. It is now a limited release. It'll be yearly, but it'll be a limited release. So we will see how it goes. I want to uh, take a moment and let everybody know. I think I mentioned this uh, shortly after I got back from vacation. But this bottle, and spoiler alert, if you don't want to know whiskey's coming up, another High West bottle came from the distillery in Park City, Utah. When I was out west, we just happened to be 30 minutes away, and naturally, I had to go. 
Amazing. I'm so jealous. Um, I also, so me and Tyler invested in a Kickstarter months and months and months ago um, by Litton uh, Glassworks, I guess. They um, made a glass they call the uh, Everest Whiskey Glass, which is a glass that is supposed to be able to be put in the freezer and be chilled and it won't water down your drink or anything like that. And it boasts having a two-scale sculpture of Mount Everest in the glass. And apparently that's why it gets frozen or whatever. Um, so we invested in these and we got them this week. And they're pretty cool. But I don't think this necessarily looks like Mount Everest. If anyone can see <laughs> all right, that. All right, hold on. Before you get to what it looks like, the way you're holding it, your head looks really, really small <laughs> through the glass. <laughs> so everybody good on YouTube. Check that out because that looked hilarious. Um, so this two-scale uh, Mount Everest actually appears to be a nipple. Yeah, it flat out. It is a nipple glass. It, it's a nipple glass. I <laughs> I held two up and was like, I think it's accurate. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're, uh, this is what it looks like full. I don't know if you guys can see from the glare that I guess nipple is just barely poking out there, but <laughs> it, re I got them. I opened them and I was like, this is Mount Everest. <laughs> so, um, um we're, we're really excited though. I have not frozen these. These came straight uh, Straight out of the pack, honestly, I probably should have washed them, but oh, well. <laughs> too late now. Um, yeah. So I'm going to have you take this glass. Are we okay? I will drink this one. Yeah, we're going to switch. I, I just smelt a little bit out of that one. Okay. Um, so <laughs> when we got these glasses and Tyler was walking around with glass boobies, um, I decided to look up the company and look up the Kickstarter again to figure out. Because the, the glasses on the Kickstarter did not quite look like this. They looked a little bit more... Refined? Refined in Mount Eversty. Not so much curved, erect nipply. Uh, and it turns out, Litton.com, L-I-I-T-O-N.com, has a new whiskey glass that they are making. And it is the Grand Canyon whiskey glass. And the Grand Canyon... Well, Megan just <laughs> Megan Megan looked this up and she just she said verbatim, they're making a Grand Canyon glass. Is that the vagina glass? And I think that's what they're doing. I, I legitimately think they've made two nipple glasses and vagina glasses, and they're gonna say the next one is the uh, it's gonna be like the Leaning Tower of Pisa Pisa or Big Ben or something. It's gonna be a penis glass. <laughs> How do I turn the brightness up on this? I cannot see it. Um, Pull it down. It's an Android. Pull it down and then there go up. I yep. got it. Yep. Uh, so now I'm showing. I refused to show Tyler until we were on the podcast. Um, the Grand Canyon glasses. Is that the only photos of it? Yes. That's the only ones. Uh, Just like with the Everest whiskey. Yeah. They only showed a couple photos and they were all really good looking. I, I want so. them. Just to say I have the pair. Yeah. Just to say I have the, the top and the bottom, but I, <laughs> yeah, I, 
I kind of am expecting a vagina glass. Yep. Um, so, so that's hilarious. Uh, so cool concept, super cool concept. I'm I'm very uh, anxious. I, uh, anxious. I'm very excited to try these as like cold, yeah, frozen, to, to, as they're supposed to be. Yes, they're supposed to be put in the refrigerator, and the glass that is the Mount Everest is supposed to keep uh, keep your drink chilled without watering it down yeah, or watering it down anything or, or altering the flavor. Yes, so I am definitely excited to try that aspect of it as well. Um, we got a set of four glasses, two for Tyler and two for me. So we both have a complete set. Um, and yeah, uh, great concept, cool design, not necessarily um, executed as well as it could have been. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm interested to see on what, uh, excuse me, uh, like what it, what it does after in the freezer. I wonder if it like, excuse me, I've got the burps. I haven't even drank anything. Um, I wonder if it like freezes up near the top and like. Oh, and like has like, like a snow has, like, a effect. snow cap. Yeah, okay. That would be really that cool. That would be cool. Now I want to know if that's a thing. It'd be a cold nipple. <laughs> Jesus. I'm sorry. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> um, uh, all right. So talk to us about Rendezvous Rye. Uh, wait, no, we've got to smell it. Yep. I've been smelling it. I've but been I've smelling not been it as well. <laughs> um. All right. So I'm getting, I'm getting something flower or I guess floral is the, yeah. the proper name. Um, it's some sort of flower. I don't know what kind of flower it is. I truth be, t- I think I've said this on here before. I don't know what different flowers smell like. So floral is the most detailed I can get. I can't. Maybe I, a little, uh, grainy. Like a, a yeah. very mild hint of grain. Yeah. Hmm. Not too much burn my nose hairs, which is good. Yeah, and I stuck my nose all the way in, um, and I didn't get really any burn. Um, I do want to circle back a minute uh, the to the Litton Glass Company. Oh, you want the bottle? There we go. They sent this awesome flavor wheel. Oh no! What uh, is that? It is a flavor wheel that has essentially <clears throat> it's broken down into categories: grain, wood, spice, sweet aromatics, and fruit. Yeah, and then it some are further broken down into like brown and savory, and uh, like fruit is broken down into apple and pear, and it gives you a bunch of different descriptions of what whiskeys can taste like, which I really, really. I've had a had a lot of I not I don't want to say fun looking at this because that sounds dumb, but <laughs> I you mean, know, like I've I've enjoyed this. I've I've it's learned. interesting. Yeah, I've learned just from looking at this. Like, I mean, that is actually really cool. Yeah. So here, take a look. Yeah, for I don't sure. Think I showed you that. No. Um, um. Wow. Okay. So let's see if it has. Um, it, it, yes, it does have marzipan. <laughs> I know you were going to say that one, so I just checked. Okay. Um, Didn't we have something recently that when we looked it up? It was marzipan? It was marzipan. Yes. I still don't know what marzipan is. It's delicious. You've probably ate it with um, at some point in your life. I, I guarantee it. I'm pretty sure I Googled this last time and just don't remember. 
I guarantee it. All right, so it's not saying that there is any floralness on here, but I swear I smell a flower. Yeah, no, I agree. I don't think that's exclusive. I don't think okay. that's like, it's just common things. Okay, that makes sense. Um, I so, also would, oh yeah, I guess that's not really, the aromatics is not really floral. Um, but yeah, I. That's definitely neat. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to see what's on this list, if I can smell any of it. I I got. I get a little sweetness. It's a rye, but I definitely get like a a cereal grainy type yeah. um, smell. Um, and then this this flower, uh, whatever this flower is, um, I don't know. What are we supposed to smell? Um, so we are supposed to be smelling a bouquet of herbal scents. It's subtle and airy. It's a wispy aroma consisting of sage, lavender, mint, and grass. Light oak and caramel add some weight to the nose. Um, so the caramel is the sweetness I yep, was getting. It is an herbal dominated aroma and works because of its uniqueness. So yeah, I, I couldn't pinpoint anything of floral because it's all floral. It's a yeah. very floral smell. I can definitely the I said it didn't have too much burn your nose hairs and I think that's what the mint. The mint is a very mild usually uh burn. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the that's why it's a very mild okay. you know, burn flavor burn. Yeah. I guess that's a shit way of explaining that, but I mean I get what I get what you're yeah. putting down. Um that also says, notably, the company's mash bill contains 20% malted barley, which is relatively high for a rye whiskey, which might be why we're really noticing the cereal-type grain um, smell that normally we don't associate with a rye whiskey. Well, I... When I first took that sip, before it even hit my lips, I noticed the floral smell was intensely stronger when I have my nose in the glass. Yes. Um, second thing I noticed, mainly because I'd noticed that, I was focusing on it at the beginning of the of the sip. Um, it's it's hanging with me. It's It kind of went down and then burned back up in a good way, like a, a warm burn, not yeah. a not a unenjoyable burn. Um and then at the the other thing I noticed was at the end a very dill type of flavor on the finish. I drinking this, my immediately my mind immediately went to Christmas. This tastes Christmassy to me, um, and I'm trying to point out how. Um, That's interesting because mine went to spring. Really? Yeah, it did. It went to like, it, it's probably because the floral smacked me in the nose when I put it on there. But just like, a, like, you ever been in a florist shop? Yeah. Yeah, that's what, like in spring when everything's nice and blooming, mm -hmm. that's what, it, it, that's just what I saw in my head. I know, I'm, 
I guess I'm tasting like um, pine tree, um, like Christmas tree. I get that pine yep. taste. Christmas um, smell. Yeah, I get um, the best air freshener. By the way, is pine? Yeah, that like at Christmas time, I'll mm-hmm. stock up on the pine for breeze. At least it's not the mesquite. You shut your mouth. <laughs> I want y'all to know, my power went out for about three hours one evening, and guess what I did? I lit my house by burning mesquite candles. <laughs> it was great. That's so gross. Um, <laughs> man, pine, mint, definitely getting some of the mint there. Um. I'm not really tasting the floral unless, like, the pine is the floral. Um, well, see, I get the floral. I don't know. I feel like I'm just, maybe it's because I grew up in Colorado and, like, pine trees are, like, ingrained into my nose. Like, I just, that's just part of life. I mean, I don't I, know. I hmm. I don't get pine at all. I get floral on the Floral is is truthfully the overpowering flavor I get at the beginning and it and the mid and it transitions into a dill and a mint. And the mint is what lingers. I mint really, is lingering. Yeah, I don't really get any of the honey or or anything sweet. And I think another reason why I'm I I can point this out now that I I did like a, I don't, I hate doing that in the mic. I didn't like that. Yeah. I'm like moving my tongue around and tasted it. And I got a fruit and I picked it up as it's like a, um, like, uh, what you eat at Thanksgiving. Um, pumpkin. Nope. Uh, cranberry. Cran- oh. Cranberry sauce. Ew. You shut your face. No. Oh my God. Okay. Let's put a poll up. Who likes cranberry sauce? All the old people will answer yes. <laughs> Sorry. I, I mean, love, no, I know, mean no offense. I love cranberry sauce, so you shut your whore mouth. All right. Um, okay, so I say Christmas. It's pine, it's cranberry, it's mint. Um, it's very, yeah, Christmassy. That's, that's what I'm going with. Okay. Well, what are we supposed to taste? All right, so... We are supposed to taste, if I can scroll to it. Hmm, interesting. Mint, pine, and orange create an interesting and surprising opening to the sip. It works well in in conjunction with additional lighter notes of oak, cranberry, and graham crackers. This flavor of combinations is rather unique tasting when they come together, although it falls... Short of all out impressive. Nah, I, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm not going to read anything else because it's just the, the writer's opinion. Um, I'd say it definitely is a unique tasting experience. And Read those one more time because I know you said orange. I got hung up on orange and graham cracker. I am getting none of that. Nothing. Mint. Get that. Pine. Yeah. Orange. No. Oak. Maybe I can see that. Cranberry? No. Graham cracker? No. Wow. Wow. I'm all jacked up on it. Well, we will. We will see. I don't. I don't get graham cracker. I'm not getting um, orange. I'm not really getting oak. It's 
I, I feel yeah. like I should disclose that I've been fairly stopped up for the last couple of days. So maybe I'm just that's having an effect on my taste. Hmm. Um, the finish is supposed to be light, oaky, mildly cinnamon. Um, and it's straightforward, goes by quick. Um, who is this? Breaking bourbon. Okay. So I'm, I, I, I completely disagree with that. I think the finish is long. I think it's more minty than cinnamony. Um, I I mean, this is a 2021 review. Can we see when this was bottled? I don't know. Um, All I'm saying is that I, I'm not getting much in common with that review, period. Um, Maybe it's me. More than likely, it's probably me. But especially considering you were. But anyway, we'll move on. Okay. Well, I can't see if there's a date on there, so who knows? Okay. All right. Let's get on it. It's time. For the wonder segment. All right, guys, it is my week again. Um, and I am excited this week to talk about feral children. Oh dear. Yep. You know what that made me think of? <laughs> what? That episode of Futurama where Fry <laughs> thinks he's gone to the year uh, 4,000. <laughs> And there's like a gang of kids in L.A. And apparently that's just how L.A. is in the year 3000. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Uh, yep. So we've all heard stories of feral children. Kids raised by wolves or isolated from humanity in some way. Several myths and legends have centered on this concept for hundreds of years. A few of the, West, the, 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 a few of the most well-known stories include... Tarzan of the Apes by Edgar Rice Burroughs. First published as a novel in 1912, the story of the boy raised by gorillas is still well known today. Though there have been several movie adaptations, the most recognizable will likely be the Disney cartoon from 1999, Tarzan. Can I interject for a minute? Of course. I just want to say that You'll Be in My Heart from that soundtrack is an amazing song. Phil Collins yes. is an amazing artist. Period. I remember I remember going, I was in like first grade, going to see that movie on a field trip. On that a was, field trip? Yes, a field trip. Damn, you small towns got cool ass field trips. Hell yeah. <laughs> we didn't have museums. <laughs> uh, another well-known is Remus and Romulus. There are the uh, Roman mythological tale of twin brothers raised by wolves. The brothers decided that they wanted to create a city, but couldn't agree upon where to build it. And so, to come to a decision, they decided to fight. Remus was killed, and Romulus went on to name their new city Rome after himself. Because of his ego. You said they were raised by wolves? Yes. Okay. Mowgli stars in The Jungle Book by Rudyard Kipling, published in 1894. Kipling dubbed him a man-cub that was raised in the wild. The story of Mowgli has been retold countless times, but, just like Tarzan, is probably most recognizable from Disney's 1967 cartoon, The Jungle Book. 
Of course, these are nowhere near all of the fictional feral children's stories. I could go on and on and into far greater depth into each story. But I don't want to talk about stories. I want to talk about facts. Because there have been many real-life cases of feral children. When a child is abandoned or isolated at a young age, they struggle to develop human skills. They lack language and behavior. Feral children have been studied as extensively as scientists are able, debating the nature versus nurture debate. That was not a very good sentence. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> uh, for more on that, we had a good discussion about that a couple episodes ago. We did. Um, what was that topic? What was that episode? Damn. Um, Universe it. 25. Universe 25, correct. Yep. I think that was two episodes ago. It was. Um... Because experimenting on actual human babies is very much frowned upon, scientists have to rely on cases that come to them rather than introducing a situation where they study a baby raised exclusively by animals. Winthrop Kellogg attempted a sort of feral exper experiment in the 1930s. Kellogg had his infant son named Donald, and he decided to raise him side by side with a baby chimpanzee named Gua. His hypothesis was that the chimp would develop human skills, and she did. But his son Donald also began to mimic Gua's behavior. In fact, nine months into the experiment, Winthrop Kellogg ended it because Donald began to actively copy chimpanzee sounds. He returned Gua to a primate center in Florida, and the two never met again. That's interesting. That kind of backward from what you would hope as a, I guess, a parent and a scientist. Mm -hmm. The first account of a feral child comes from 1644. A five-year-old boy named John of Liege fled into the forest to escape soldiers. The rest of his village also fled, but shortly after the soldiers left the town they returned and returned home. But shortly after, the soldiers left and the town returned home. John was too scared to leave the forest. Supposedly, John spent the next 16 years living off roots and wild berries before he was caught stealing food from a farm. Sir Ken Elm Digby, who recorded the story, said that John had lost the ability to communicate, but had developed a dog-like sense of smell and could detect food from great distances. However, when reintroduced into civilization, he relearned how to talk and lost that enhanced smell. I question a lot about this story, and I hesitate to say that it's the first confirmed feral child, but history marks it as, so I had to include it. In my opinion, if you're wondering, I think Peter, the wild boy, is the first confirmed feral child. Peter was found in 1725, naked and living alone in the woods of Germany. He couldn't speak or walk on two legs. Instead, he'd scamper about on all fours. He was sent to the royal court where British King George I took a liking to him. Peter became the talk of London as the king kept him around as a party favor to entertain him and his guests. 
They'd laugh as he attempted to lick ladies of the court and pick pockets and disregard table manners. Attempts to civilize Peter failed, and eventually he was sent to the countryside where he lived until his death in 1785. Today, researchers think that Peter was originally abandoned by his family because he had Pitts-Hopkins syndrome, a rare genetic neurological disorder. Children with PTHS have distinctive facial features and are either unable to speak or have impaired speech. They have intellectual disabilities and struggle with developmental milestones. Often, they suffer behavior problems. Additionally, they can have seizures, repetitive muscle tics, severe nearsightedness, and poor coordination. Some children with PTHS additionally meet the criteria for appearing somewhere on the autism spectrum. Pitts-Hopkins syndrome was first described in medical literature in 1978, and it wasn't until 2008 that scientists discovered the gene that causes it. Another famous historical case is that of Dina Sanachar, wolf boy. In 1867, hunters found a boy, estimated to be six years old, living with wolves inside a cave. They took the boy to civilization, leaving him at the Sikandra Mission Orphanage. He could not speak and walked on all fours. He made wolf-like sounds and preferred to eat raw meat. Despite several years trying to rehabilitate Dinah, he never learned to talk. He also preferred dining on raw meat and bones over cooked food for his entire life. He became an avid smoker and eventually died in 1895 of tuberculosis. But for some more modern cases of children raised by animals, let's take a look at Oxana Malaya. I knew I was going to fuck that up if I didn't write it down the pronunciation. I didn't write it down. And you fucked Fucked it up. That's okay. I fuck up all the time. Oxana Mayalia, I think is it. Oxana Mayalia, a Ukrainian girl that was found living with dogs in a kennel in 1991 at eight years old. Oxana's story is painfully sad. Her parents were both alcoholics, and one night when she was three years old, they left her outside in their drunken stupor. The toddler crawled into the kennel outside to sleep with the dogs, and that act probably saved her life. She then proceeded to live with the dogs for the next eight years. Authorities eventually found her living like a dog. She'd run around on all fours with her tongue out and bark. She ate with her face and groomed herself like a dog. Social services in the Ukraine took her into their care. She lived in a foster home for mentally disabled children. She learned to subdue her dog-like behavior and actually progressed into adulthood fairly normally. She is still slightly intellectually impaired, but has moved on with her life. She learned to speak fluently and has been on several talk shows and interviews about her experience. Today, she lives on a farm and works with animals daily. There's a dog here in my mic. Fill up the air. Tyler is driving me nuts. Yeah, no, you're fine. I was actually about to ask. Um, so she was living with do- dogs, but managed to come back into society fairly normally. Yeah. That, that, when you said that, it just made me think you said she went to a home for mental, mentally disabled, mentally disabled. Kids. I was thinking mentally, mental rehabilitation, but I guess that's not a thing for, she went to a mentally, a home for mentally disabled people that 
it it just really got me thinking on what this is just someone who grew up differently in a different environment and we've classified that as like a mental disability i it's it just made me realize how subjective that can be you know yeah just because we think it's strange and and different doesn't mean it's necessarily a I don't want to say a disability. It's it's just different. Yeah, definitely could be, could be. All right. So next, there is Marina Chapman. Marina Chapman was kidnapped in 1954 at just five years old. For some reason, her kidnappers abandoned her in the middle of a South American jungle, where she lived with a family of capuchin monkeys. The monkeys did not originally seek out Mariana. She followed them and copied their behavior. She ate berries and roots and bananas. She slept in the trees. Eventually, the capuchins became used to her. They began to treat her as one of them, pulling lice from her hair and dropping her food from trees. She was found five years later by a group of hunters. She had lost any human language she had had before. According to Chapman, she was then sold to a brothel, escaped, and lived on the streets until she became a slave to a mafia family where a neighbor rescued her and adopted her when she was 14. Is that like a South American mafia? Yes. Okay. In Colombia. Needless to say, a lot of people questioned her story, and her biography was declined by several publishing houses before believing it to be a fake. However, eventually it was published entitled The Girl with No Name. Various scientists have studied and interacted with Mariana. One, a professor from Columbia, testing, tested using pictures of Mariana and the Capuchins and concluded that she was telling the truth. X-rays later on in life did prove that early on she was malnourished. However, some psychologists have concluded that Mariana Chapman suffers from false memories. Mm. John Sasabunya ran away from home at three years old in terror. He witnessed his father murder his mother and hang himself. Fearing for his life, he disappeared into the Ugandan forest where he lived with vervet monkeys for more than two years. He says that after two weeks, the monkeys befriended him and showed him how to survive in the jungle. When he was found, he had developed traits similar to the monkeys. His knees were white and calloused from walking on them, and his nails were long and curving. He ate nuts and roots and sweet potatoes. And it was lucky that he was found because he had a severe case of intestinal parasites. Well, that's not good. Yeah, no. John acclimated, acclimated, acclimated. There you go. John acclimated to civilian life pretty easily, learning how to speak and sing. In fact, his singing voice is so pretty, he currently tours around the United Kingdom with the Pearl of Africa Choir. I thought for some reason I was expecting one of the three tenors. <laughs> I don't really know why I expected that, but that's just, I thought you were going to say, he currently tours as one of the three tenors. <laughs> Ah, uh, Lord. Sorry, I didn't mean to throw you off there. That's all right. 
There are dozens more cases you can read about online of children being raised by animals, but we're going to continue on to some different feral cases. Because, sadly, it is not just living with animals that causes a child to become feral. Isolation can have the same effect. If a child has no or very limited access to the outside world, they miss crucial developmental keys. Cases of confinement are often hard to hear. They tend to include child abuse and don't always have happy endings. Keep that in mind as we progress further, there may be topics that are a bit hard to listen to. First, all we know of her is that her name was Isabella, and she was discovered when she was seven years old in 1938. She had spent the first few years living in a dark room with her deaf, mute mother. Her mother had gotten pregnant out of wedlock, and her father trapped his daughter and granddaughter in one room, the windows blocked. They were not allowed to interact with the rest of the family. It took more than six years for her mother to finally escape with Isabella. Since Isabella had spent virtually zero time in sunlight, lacked proper nutrition and fresh air, she had developed a condition that made any type of locomotion physically impossible. It took lots of work, including surgeries, before she was able to walk and move normally. But she did learn. She also learned to read and write and caught up to her peers. Her mother, her mother and Isabella remained anonymous after the traumatic event, but everything points to Isabella growing up to live a normal, healthy life. That's insane. I had no idea not being exposed, like like being trapped like that could mm-hmm. limit you in, in that sort of sense. It can really fuck you up, as we'll see. I also have another question on that. Mm-hmm. If he kept, I'm assuming he wasn't keeping her in the room prior to the, you said the grandfather was keeping. Yes. The mother. I'm yes. assuming not before she got pregnant. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, Otherwise, how'd she get pregnant? pregnant? Yeah. It did not say um, who the father was in okay. the research, but uh, nowhere did it suggest that it was the father. Incest. Yeah. Okay. But he was just unhappy that his child dared to be promiscuous, so he would punish them both. Well, I, I mean, I, I don't want to assume one way or the other. Maybe you you did say the mother was mute, deaf. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was a, maybe somebody took advantage of her kind of thing. I don't know. And he thought, I, I don't know. I'm not trying to offend know. the guy in any stretch, but. It was the 1930s. Yeah. So crazy time. Depression uh, time. Yep. Anna, or Anna, full name Alice Marie Harris, had a similar experience to Isabella, but hers did not turn out so well. Anna was born on March 6th of 1932 and was the second illegitimate child of 27-year-old Martha Harris, who lived with her father, David Harris. Annoyed with his daughter's promiscuity, he ordered that Anna, who they referred to as it be kept in the attic. She was strapped down, unable to move, speak, or interact with anyone. 
She was fed only cow's milk for the entirety of her life up until she was found on February 6th, 1938, at six years old. There had been gossip about a child locked in a house and never seen by visitors, and officers discovered Anna by following those rumors. Officers? Officers. Like okay. Police officers. Yeah. I'm sorry. I thought you said offers. No, officers. Okay. Quote, I made her keep it up there, care for it, and feed it as a sort of punishment. I forgave her first illegitimate child, but not the second. End quote. As a direct quote, David Harris gave the police officers that interviewed him. Anna was emaciated and lacked any sort of skill. She could not walk or eat or make noise. But once she was saved from her grandfather, she began to improve rapidly. By age nine, she had begun to show that she was approaching social norms. She could feed herself and remember people and respond to simple requests. She had just began to develop signs of speech. Sadly, Anna would not survive to see if she could recover to lead a normal life. She died on August 6, 1942, at just 10 years old. Her death was caused by hemorrhagic jaundice, where injury and anemia is present. No evidence was found or cited that her condition was caused by her isolation. And finally, I want to talk about Jeannie. Jeannie is the pseudonym for an American child born in 1957. Arguably, she is the most well-known case of a feral child who is studied extensively by scientists of all creeds, psychologists, linguists, pediatricians, and several other experts examined and treated Jeannie once she was saved. But before we get into her after, we have to talk about her before. Jeannie was the youngest child born to her parents, but only the second surviving. Her father had never wanted children, but his wife became pregnant five years into their marriage. Despite his constant beating of her during her pregnancy and the attempted murder via strangulation in the ninth month, the child was born. The cries of an infant bothered him, and he put the baby in the garage overnight. She caught pneumonia and died at 10 weeks old. The second child, a boy, died at two days old from complications from an RH incompatibility, which is an auto, which is an alloimmune condition where antibodies produced by the mother pass through the placenta and attack antigens on red blood cells in the fetal circulation. Their third son was born healthy, even though he was also diagnosed, diagnosed with the RH incompatibility. The father demanded the wife keep him quiet, which caused physical and linguistic delays. And at four years old, he went and lived with his maternal grandmother for a time and made great progress catching up to where he should have been developmentally. She did eventually return him to his parents, but I can't find anything else on if he f- further suffered abuse. They lived in Arcadia, California, where the father worked as an aviation mechanic. The mother was 20 years younger than her husband, and to those on the outside, seemed to be a happy, a happy couple. Except, soon after they married, 
He began to prevent her from leaving the house and would beat her severely. The beating caused her eyesight to deteriorate because of neurological damage, onset of cataracts, and a detached retina. This near blindness made her rely all the more on her abusive husband. Jeannie was born five years after their third child. At the same time, the father had been growing in paranoia and had already begun to isolate his family more and more from outside people. Jeannie was born also with the RH incompatibility and required a blood transfusion, but was otherwise healthy enough to go home. At her three-month checkup, doctors discovered her hip had dislocated and they required her wear a splint from four to 11 months. It is speculated that because of this splint, her father began to think Jeannie was going to suffer intellectual disabilities. From then on, he would not interact positively with his daughter, no longer talking to or playing with her, and he demanded that his wife and son do the same. At 20 months old, Jeannie's paternal grandmother died via a hit and run, which devastated her father and broke him even further mentally. He blamed his son for her death since they had been walking together when grandma was struck. Then the driver got a slap on the wrist for manslaughter and drunk driving. His rage grew even further. And they think this is what caused him to completely snap and in some delusional way, decide that his family needed protecting from the outside world. Because he already thought Jeannie was severely handicapped mentally, he decided she had to be hidden from the world. He quit his job and moved his family to his mother's house. There, he refused to let her, uh, to let her car or her bedroom be touched, leaving it as she left it as a shrine to his late mother. Oh, you have no idea. Moving into that house sealed Jeannie's fate. Jeannie was forced to live in the back bedroom away from the rest of the family together in the living room. For 13 hours a day, he would tie her to a child's toilet and leave her. He strapped her into a homemade straitjacket, and Jeannie could only move her extremities while confined in it. At night, He'd bind her in a sleeping bag and place her in a crib with a locked cover on the roof, keeping her arms and legs immobilized. Occasionally, he'd just leave her on the toilet and in the straitjacket overnight. If Jeannie made any sound, he would beat her. Whenever he saw her, he would bare his teeth and bark like a dog to threaten her. He grew out his nails specifically so he could scratch her. If he suspected Jeannie of doing anything he didn't like, he'd make growling noises behind the door, and if he thought she had still done whatever transgression, he'd come in and beat her. Jesus Christ. Yeah. There's some... What I've taken away from, you know, what you've said here in the last, I don't know, the last three examples, maybe it's three or four, there's some fucked up people out there. Like, yeah. Jesus Christ. I. Yeah, I don't like humans. Yeah, no, me neither. Um, his dog-like behavior caused Jeannie to have a phobia of both dogs and cats. Shocking. Scientists speculate that he acted like that because he saw himself as a 
guard dog to, for his family. Jeannie made as little noise as possible to avoid his beatings. They fed Jeannie no solid food, and instead she survived off a bare minimum of baby food and liquids. If she didn't swallow fast enough, he would shove her face into the food. The father hated noise, refusing to have even a TV or a radio in the house. He did not like his wife or son talking and would beat them if he heard them. When they did communicate, mother and son would have to speak so low as not to be overheard. This made it so Janie never heard meaningful conversation. The only person allowed to leave the house was his son to go to school. And when he returned, he would have to prove his identity before his father would let him back in. This guy's a nut job. Yep. Jesus Christ. He would sit in the living room holding a shotgun and did not let anyone near his property. Neighbors did not realize they had a daughter, thinking that their only child was the son. During all of this, for some reason, the father kept detailed notes chronicling everything he did to his family, all the abuse and all the efforts to conceal it. Did this guy not work a job? No. No, he quit his job. How the hell did they pay bills? Uh, I'm guessing his mother had her house paid off, and that's the house they moved he into. He still got have power and... Uh, it was I, the 1930s. I don't know. I have uh, no effing idea. Okay, yeah, they probably didn't really have that much power back then. And he, he was an aviation mechanic, so he might have had some money saved up. I, I don't know. That is... Uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm all for, like, you know, sitting on the porch with the shotgun telling people to get off your property. Not really, but... I mean, this is a I little bit more intense than that. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely am that get-the-fuck-off-my-property person. But Yeah. Throughout this time, he continued to severely beat his wife. He threatened to kill her if she tried to get help or contact anyone. His son was also forced into silence... And was forced to be meaner and meaner to Jeannie as he got older. He was so scared of retribution that he did what his father said, though on multiple occasions he would attempt to run away from home. The father was convinced Jeannie would not survive past 12 years old and told his wife that if she did, she could take her to get help. Jeannie turned 12, and yet... Her mother did not take action for another year and a half. Finally, in October of 1970, the mother and father had a huge blowout argument where the mother demanded she be allowed to contact her own parents. He relented, and the mother took Jeannie to the park to meet her parents. By this time, Jeannie's brother had run away from home and was living with friends. Three weeks later... Jeannie's mother was going to apply for disability benefits for her blindness and took Jeannie with her to apply. But because of her poor eyesight, she entered the office next to disability services. It was a social services office. Immediately, social workers realized something was horribly wrong. They estimated Jeannie to be seven when re when in reality she was nearing 14. The supervisor pulled Jeannie's mother inside his office and questioned her. 
When they found out Janie's true age, they immediately called the police. Her parents were arrested immediately, and Janie was made a ward of the court. Her case captivated the scientists and doctors that learned of it, and in turn, the media as well for a time. The morning before his scheduled court date, the father committed suicide via shotgun and left a note saying, quote, the world will never understand. Wow. That's a uh, shitty end of that story. Yep, and it's not quite over. Oh, um, well. So... I apparently lost a couple pages of my actual written in my words. So, yep, don't know how that happened. So I am going to finish the sentence and then I'm going to switch over to a website to continue to tell you guys the rest of Jeannie's story. So a team of psychologists and linguists began to rehabilitate Jeannie, funded by NIM. Remember, Universe 25, NIM, the National Institute of Mental Health in an effort to do research on her case. Um, Psychiatrists noted that since situations like hers were so rare, she quickly became the center of a battle between the researchers involved in her case. Arguments over the research and the course of her treatment soon erupted. Jeannie occasionally spent the night in the home of Jean Butler, one of her teachers. After an outbreak of measles, Jeannie was quarantined at her teacher's home. Butler soon became protective and began restricting access to Jeannie. Other members of the team felt that Butler's goal was to become famous from the case, at one point claiming Butler had herself had called herself the next Anne Sullivan, the teacher famous for help, helping Helen Keller learn to communicate. Eventually, Jeannie was removed from Butler's care and went to live in the home of psychologist David Riggler, where she remained for the next four years. Despite some difficulties, she appeared to do well in the Riggler household. She enjoyed listening to classical music on the piano and loved to draw, often finding it easier to communicate through drawing rather than through other methods. However... NIM withdrew funding in 1974 due to the lack of scientific findings. Linguist Susan Curtis had found that while Jeannie could use words, she could not produce grammar. She could not arrange words in a meaningful way, supporting the idea of a critical period in language development. Riggler's research was disorganized and largely anecdotal, and without funds to continue the research and care for Jeannie, she was moved from the Riggler's care. In 1975, Jeannie returned to live with her birth mother. And when her mother found the task too difficult, Jeannie was moved through a series of foster homes where she was often subjected to further abuse and neglect. And Jeannie's situation continued to worsen. After spending a significant amount of time in foster homes, she returned to Children's Hospital. Unfortunately, the progress that had occurred during her first day had been severely compromised by the subsequent treatment she received in foster care. Jeannie was afraid to open her mouth, and he had regressed back into the silence. Poor child. Yep. 
Today, Jeannie lives in an adult foster care home somewhere in Southern California. Little is known about her present condition, although an anonymous individual hired a private investigator to track her down in 2000 and described her as happy. But this does contrast with other reports. Um, Some of the psychologists and researchers who had worked with her for so long attempted to get into contact with her. They would try to send her birthday cards and talk to her on the phone, and they wanted to be a part of her life, but they were banned from interacting with Jeannie at all. Um, So even them today do not know where she is. Um, This is a mindfuck of a topic. mm Mm-hmm. What do we take away from this really sad story, asked Harlan Lee in the Nova documentary. Look, there's an ethical dilemma in this kind of research. If you want to do rigorous science, then Jeannie's interests are going to come second some of the time. If you only care about helping Jeannie, then you won't do a lot of scientific research. So what are you going to do? To make matters worse, the two roles, scientist and therapist, were combined in one person in her case. So I think future generations are going to study Jeannie's case, not only for what it can teach us about human development, but also for what it can teach us about the rewards and the risks of conducting the forbidden experiment. That, uh, that, oh Jesus, I almost pulled my microphone out there. Um, (laughs) There we go. Sorry if that made a ton of noise for you guys. That last bit really made me think about um, the Japanese Unit 731. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those, like, where is the ethics line when science, you know, when science is involved, how do you balance the two? Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's hard. There's there's a lot of dilemma in the ethics of science. Well, and it, I think it's it, yeah, and it's even harder because we're all like everybody has different ethics. Mm-hmm. What I think is morally right or wrong is different from what you think is morally right or wrong. Yeah, you know, so it's. It makes it hard. Yeah, it does. Uh, yeah, that's that's insane to me. Mm-hmm. That's that's exactly what I thought about because, I mean, the, the scientists involved with that essentially weren't prosecuted for war crimes because we were able to take that information and, mm-hmm. and use it to our advantage. They had to turn over all their information, yeah. everything they learned, so we could learn from it. Yep. So that's... Mm. Didn't... A lot of them, or at least some of them, end up working for us after. I believe so. Yes. Like it's just it's a it's a mad world. Yeah. Um, it's a crazy place. Yeah. So Jeannie is by far the most well studied um, and well known feral child, um, and definitely a horrible case of uh, child abuse and neglect. Um, and it is really sad that we don't know the end to her story. She's, from all accounts, she's still alive today. She's still surviving somewhere. 
Um, but as the public, we have no idea what her condition is right now. There is only a very few limited number of people that know Jeannie, um, know who she really is and interact with her on a daily basis. And they um, all are not allowed to speak about her. Yeah. I was about to say they're probably sworn to secrecy. Yeah. So who knows if she's happy, if she can talk. Um, my hope is that she, she's happy. She, and I doubt she's living a normal life. She probably is in some sort of care home, but I hope wherever she is, she's happy there and she's enjoying her life. Um, I hope she's not just in a vegetative state, terrified state. Yeah. Um, I hope she's able to get past that. Um, but we don't know and we'll never know what happened after. Well, humans are terrible creatures. Yep. In my opinion. Um, but, ah, yep. uh, I don't know. That was just a mind fuck of a topic for me. Yep. So, uh, how was it for you guys? You guys, minds all twisted up. Mm-hmm. Got a little somebody, somebody around you start cutting onions or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so uh, it definitely was a rough one to research. Um, but it it was interesting at the same time. So we'll. I mean, there's a lot more you can look into feral children. Um, I thought about including like some of the hoaxes that have been proven to be false. Um, but I wanted to end on a more serious note um, rather than going through the people who pretended that this stuff happened so that they could get fame and money. Um, but there are hoaxes out there that you guys can look up and read some of the ridiculous stuff people have done um, to claim to be a feral child or have found feral children or all for all sorts of different stuff. Again, people are terrible. Yep. Um, Humanity right. sucks. Yes. So, you know, yes, that, we do. That is the story of feral children. And I hope that Jeannie is okay wherever she is. Trivia with Tyler. Oh, that was just such a terrible transition. A little bit. That music. <laughs> do what you said. I, I realized that as I was playing, I was like, oh my God, that was terrible. Like, oh, that's that's inappropriate. <laughs> uh, well, it is time for Trivia with Tyler. So um, the today, I'm going to teach you this one. Okay. The tobacco industry managed to shift blame of people falling asleep with lit cigarettes away from their products onto beds and sofas being too flammable, <laughs> getting the government to force flame retardants into all sorts of home products that are now linked to cancer. Because again, humans are the worst. Yep. Hashtag awful. Cancer from the cigarettes, cancer from your couch, cancer from your bed. Wow. Wow. Fuck you, Marlboro. Hell yeah. Winston. I I can't. Uh, Misty. Camel. 
<laughs> my, mom, my mom smoked Misty's when I was a kid, so. Uh, uh, all right. Yeah. So, Smoking is bad. Don't do it. Yeah, don't smoke. Megan can firsthand tell you not to do that. Yep, do not smoke. It's so. bad. All right, let's move on. Final thoughts. So... I'm going to start by saying I have not had much to eat today at all. Okay. Since this morning, actually, basically. Um, and I did have a very, like, half of a soda um, that I was drinking throughout this as well. Um, but I had some seriously rough heartburn throughout this. I don't mm. know if it was the whiskey or the soda or a combination of those not having eaten anything basically all day. Um, but yeah, there were some moments over here where I was definitely struggling. So I think I'm going to go ahead and safely say this is one I want to give another chance on another day. Okay. Okay. Um, um Normally, I I get pretty severe heartburn pretty easily, especially from whiskeys. Um, and knock on wood, this has not given me heartburn yet. Um, granted I've been presenting, so who knows, um, who knows if I just haven't drank enough or drank fast enough or whatever. Um, but as of right now, I'm feeling fine. So I don't know. I don't know. Yep. Um, I'm thinking it's the whiskey after having taken two sips and I finished my um, soda about 20 minutes ago. I'm thinking it's the whiskey, but I mm. will. The jury's still out on that. What I will say is I'm very interested to try this chilled and uh, with a drop of water. Um, I do not have any water in here to try it with. I have... I have some that's been sitting here for a while. So. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah, I'm not. I actually found a bug in it earlier. So <laughs> it was like a gnat had landed in it. No, so thank it, you. It's probably been here for a day or two. Um, yeah, I'm not going to. This is this is the uh, lowest I think I would have to go for for. The High West, and I will go ahead and disclose I this I have had the other three High West. I have had the one we have not done on the podcast. I had it on vacation. I have not had it um, at all. And I can say this is the first one I have not liked. Uh I'm not gonna say I don't like it, but it it is uh leaps and bounds behind the other three. Hmm. As for this, uh, this glass. Ah, uh, the booby glass. <laughs> if you're on YouTube. <laughs> uh, Tyler is very mature. Yes, I'm cupping it to my bosom. <laughs> um, Man, as I'm sipping it, I'm trying to drink on it. I, I mean, I really tend to like rice and... I really like High West as a company, um, but this has been 
pretty middle of the road for me. I don't dislike it. I don't love it. Um, it's not, to me, it's not memorable. It's something that I'll drink if it's there. I'm not going to try to get rid of it, but I'm not going to go out and look for it either. Um, so I guess, I guess I can safely say that I'll give this right in the middle. I'm going to give it a five. Um, there's, it's not remarkable. It's just, it just is. Okay. Yeah. Uh, one other thing I've noticed with this and again, part of why I want to give it, uh, a second go around is I'm very, uh, I don't know what the right term for it is, but I can, I'm congested and I feel that I've got, uh, mucus kind of going down the back of my throat and it's it's not moving it's just kind of like staying there mm, i hate that yeah me too and i think that is definitely impacting it's it's making it hard it's making me salivate a lot and yeah i just i think yeah. i'm struggling to get the full experience here so yeah i, I definitely want, i definitely would agree you're not yeah i want my rating to i want to preface it with that um and truth be told, I may change it later if um, we ever redo this just because, you know, uh, situ- I might be a little clearer. Um, but I'm going to go similar to you. I'm going four and a half. Okay. Okay. And slightly, slightly below middle of the road. Yeah, slightly below middle of the road. Um, just mainly, mainly because the you know, potential for heartburn. Don't shoot it. Yeah. I didn't even think to. I'm glad I didn't. Don't shoot it. Ooh. Yeah, your face just was like a ooh. Um Well, I guess on that note, guys, this has been another wonderful episode of Whiskey and Wonder. I believe this is I've got it down as episode forty nine. Wow. So three more and we are officially at a year. Of episode weeks. Yes, episode weeks. I was about to say, technically... Our first episode ever was published on September 23rd. So, next time we meet, we will be a year old. We will be a... Holy shit, that's four days from now. Yep. Yep. That's not too bad. We we missed, what, three weeks throughout the year? Something like that. Wow. With everything that's happened, we've only missed three weeks? I thought we missed (laughs) more like six or seven, but... Nope. That's pretty impressive then. Nope. September 23rd Let's is give when a round of applause. Yep. Uh our first episode dropped the uh Olympics, the 1904 Olympic Marathon. Yes. I'm still pulling for that guy in the car. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you go car dude. Yes. Uh on that note guys, we are Whiskey and Wonder. You can check us out at a bunch of places that are on the screen if you're on YouTube um and in the show notes if you're not most importantly, that is whiskeyandwonder.com and youtube.com slash whiskeyandwonder. You know, as always, like, subscribe, comment. Let share. Yeah, share. Yeah. Send us emails. You know, yeah. we love getting feedback. We love hearing from people, especially, uh, I mean, Aaliyah went above and beyond today with yeah. all the gifts and whatnot. Yeah, that was amazing. That was awesome. Thank you so much again. Um, you know, just even an email 
just yeah. an email coming through like, hey, I love you guys' show. Yeah. I, or even just, hey, I, I don't like it. This is what you can do better. Yeah. Or you suck at this. You know, any hey. type of feedback is something yeah. we want. We want to see. So even if you have, even if you tell us we this, cuss too much, <laughs> no matter what you say, we appreciate we, it. We appreciate it, and we want the feedback. So please don't hesitate to shoot us an email and contact us. Um, and thank you for everyone who uh, has been supporting us, who uh, is a Patreon supporter, who donates to us through PayPal. You guys keep us going. You keep us running. You're the reason why we're going to be able to get another guest on here um, real soon. Yep, absolutely. So thank you guys so much. Yep. Yeah, we couldn't do it without you. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, I'm sorry this week was kind of a downer. Hopefully your topic next week is not so sad. (laughs) Well, we'll find out because Um, we're going to find out together. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I do have a nice little list of topics to pick from. So. All right. Well, we shall see what it is. Thank you guys so much. You've been sticking around with us for this long. We appreciate you. We love you. We are Whiskey and Wonder, and we ask that you don't drink and drive. Cheers. Nom, 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 nom.